is when I broke my back, I was then, from that day forward, reliant on technology. And if that technology didn't exist, I had to make it. Hi there. This is the SOLIDWORKS Born to Design podcast, a podcast of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SOLIDWORKS. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and this is episode number one. It's called No Excuses to Get Outdoors, where I will be talking to Christian Bagg, who has a very inspirational story. He is an outdoorsman who had an injury that left him unable to explore the outdoors as he had before. He has had an amazing journey since then, getting back outside, which I'll let Christian tell you all about. Let's jump right in. So I, I started from a from a very low level of design, but a, a very capable level of building. So I'd, so I'd sort of battle my way through these things and make devices for myself. Wheelchair, I made my first wheelchair a year after I broke my back, because I'm really tall, and chairs at that time just didn't account for height, so my knees were up around my ears and, and stuff. And it was a, a, if I still had it around, it's, it's a pretty archaic looking thing i used regular steel it was rusty and, yeah. and nasty so so what made you decide i just curious you know that you were going to design that first wheelchair why didn't you why didn't you just buy one off the shelf so well i did i i bought one because because you really like this we've we've always my my other business partner i who's all, who's also in a wheelchair i've always said like you don't ever, you don't have any prior knowledge of wheelchairs. Like if you're going to go buy a bike, you, even if you're not a cyclist, you like, you know what a bike is. You've seen a lot of bikes. You've probably pedaled a bike. And so you have a, a little bit of knowledge to go on as to what bike you should get, or, you know, you're not going to fit on a four-year-old's bicycle. And in wheelchairs, you fall into it literally by accident. Um, it's an accident and now you need a wheelchair. So you're trusting all these people to, to put you in one and pick one for you or advise you. And, and like I said, 22 years ago, given my height and the life I wanted to live, the chair I got was grossly underwhelming. It just did not work for me and it didn't make me feel good about myself and it didn't relate to, to my cycling or sports past. It just made me feel... Like I didn't want to be in a wheelchair, right, which is right. which is an odd statement because it seems obvious. But this was like that little extra kick, and 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 being a machinist and having such a strong community of people around me, um, friends and family, and the guys that I worked with, uh, I was I was able to sort of say like this chair sucks, and they're like make a new chair, and so it's just a chair with wheels. Yeah. Wheelchair. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned the life I wanted. So I, you know, for people listening, you know, talk about that background, the outdoorsman and the right. adventure and all the stuff you'd like doing maybe. Yeah. So I, I was a pretty, I'd say I was a pretty standard young man, teenager in that I was, I was fit, I was young and I was strong and I was pretty stupid. And so like any 18 year old, 19 year old, I just, yeah. there was no consequences to me. Um, which allowed me to do, you know, to go caving without any real caving knowledge. And I've, I've you know, I have some fond memories of being stuck in a cave thinking I was going to die and, you know, finding my way out. But yeah, so I, I loved the outdoors and I loved doing whatever I wanted. Um, 
and when I broke my back, I couldn't do whatever I wanted. And that made me want to figure out how that, how I could, you know, once I got past the, like, what was me, it was just, there's a way to do this. Right. And, and you used your skills as a machinist and designer to keep pushing that limit and keep making the chairs better. Right? Yeah. And, and then it got, then it got past me, like, as I was making things better for myself, then some other people who used wheelchairs would ask me for something for their chair. And that's when, it, that's when I started to become a better designer because I would just give them what I would, I would reproduce what I had made for me. And then that didn't work for them because they weren't me. And so then I would have to listen to their feedback more closely, you know, or suffer remaking these things, you know, 10 times. So you got to be a good listener and a better designer. I think, I think being a good designer is being a good listener um, and, and interpreter of people's problems. That's great. So, so um, I do want to talk about, you know, how you're helping um, this other group. What is it? Uh, the Easter Seals Camp, Camp Horizon. Horizon, yeah, and, and stuff. But, but um, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, what's next for you? I mean, I know you're doing a lot of things, but what's... Well, I think what's next is turning this bike into a product, a product that that can go beyond the the program of, of finding a, a company to fund a bike for a, a charity um, and get it into into more people's hands. Because the feeling I get when I'm on it, it is so much fun. And to deny any one of that, and maybe there's people that it's not their, you know, it's not their cup of tea, but for the people whose cup of tea it is, they deserve the access to it. So, and that's really where, where we branched off from it just being this, this idea, um, even, even though it was material into like an actual, an actual producible thing. And that's where Will, that's where it, it has really evolved was, was when Will came on board and, and we were able to work together and, and evolve it. And, and model it and make it manufacturable and higher tech and, you know, get rid of the rusty nuts and bolts. <laughs> Full suspension. So quickly, just to introduce Will Gill here, uh, who's also with us. Will is an engineer working with Christian. Um, so, Will, what's your take on this? How, how do you help Christian out? Um, when I first started helping Christian with it, I wasn't working with him. I was just doing it because... I enjoy design work, um, and when I was fresh out of school, I kind of missed designing because I hadn't been designing. So I told Christian that he needed suspension on it, and I had an idea for front suspension, and I think I could do it without like disabling the leaning ability of the bike, which is the key feature of the bike, is that it, it leans. And so um, I designed the front suspension, and it looked like it worked, and then we made it and it worked and it was great. And so when Christian decided that he wanted to take it a step further and he asked me to come on, I was like, yeah, I'll come on. I already know most of the bike. I had already helped him build one or two and it was like, it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to help take this further. And so when I, the first thing I did when I came on was just like redraw everything. So it was, <laughs> it was just, it was a lot start of designing for production, right? Yeah. yeah it was well, like, and just like my cat is my, like, I mean, I, I got to where I needed to get to and, and it was a useful, and I think that's a testament to SolidWorks actually, because as a tool, it worked for me. 
and and I'm not a power user, and and I'm I'm not even a good user. Uh, I leave blue lines, and I and my sketches blow up, but not before they get to the water jetter, and I get the part. Um, so it it worked, and it it helped our little company grow to a slightly bigger company, um, and and all those old drawings with Will's actual skill on SolidWorks, he could communicate with it. Like, it wasn't that I used, you know, a lesser software to do these basic things. I used a super powerful software poorly that then someone who knew how to use it could expand on, which I think is pretty cool, actually, because for such a powerful tool, you know, in the backgrounds, it was able to communicate with Will, and and he could he could look at, look, even if even if the part had exploded, he could look and see what what I was attempting to do, and he'd laugh at me, and, and then he would do it. So I mean, Will was unbeknownst to Will, he was on like a a long job interview, and, and not not a formal one, but but this is a the you know we're not making iPhones, we're not we're not making something that everybody wants, and it's a it's a harder it's a harder industry to to get rich in and and being from Alberta you know oil oil is king and so there's as an engineer there's a lot of there's some avenues open to you and and you to be involved in this you actually have to be interested and will sort of i guess i didn't know he was on interview either but he definitely showed initiative and interest to a level that that i hadn't seen so it was pretty obvious who needed to be a part of this next that's great so i i do want to get back to uh i want to make sure we mention you know the other things you're doing to helping other groups and stuff if, if you want i'm yeah. sure you already <laughs> talked about that but yeah if you yeah want. no so as the story goes the bike was this thing that i wanted to make for me and and as it was getting you know as it was turning into a, a useful thing a disabled kids camp asked if they could borrow it for this little girl named Lindsay to use and she used it and went up this uh, mountain called Moose Mountain in the Kananaskis in Alberta and she came down and she had said and she's mostly nonverbal so this is for her to to really say anything is is pretty big and she said she had the best day of her life and it was like I was like oh um, immediately I felt super selfish that I'd been making this thing for me at all and and switched to like okay like what are the features of this like what what needs to happen so that this bike works for these kids or this demographic or any demographic like instead of zeroing in on what worked for me I kind of blew that apart and focused on how to make it work for everybody uh, so Camp Horizon ended up getting three of them so now Tons of kids go out every day and and get to experience the outdoors. Uh, Alberta Parks has some. Um, an adaptive program in BC has some. And sort of as we're growing that side of it, that's when we decided that it should be a consumer product instead of just focusing on these programs or, or charities that everyone should be able to have access if possible. And then we, not that we ever really stopped with the the company buying one for... A charity but we sort of refocused and revived it just because it was such a great program um, so marked forge the 3d printing company they're doing one or we're building one for them right now which will they will tour around and then they're going to donate to a muscular dystrophy camp 
And it's really good, not just because it gets it out there, but it connects. We're kind of sneakily connecting a charity with a company with a ton of money. And maybe the company thinks that their job is done when they hand off this bike. But really, when we step away, that's the, that charity has them in a relationship that they can take advantage of long term. And really, that's kind of the beautiful part of it, I think, is because it's not about us or the bike at all. It's really about changing these kids or individuals' lives and and a company being accountable for the money they make and, and giving back. And and it feels so good because so, so many of these companies will have a like a like a professional speaker come in and and do a a bit over lunch, you know, and some people listen and some people cry and some people are bored out of their trees. And and lots of companies spend big money to get to get a motivational speaker come in. And I think it's that money could be better spent not necessarily just on our thing, but on on programs like this where, you know, they get or specifically ours, where they get this bike that the employees can watch being built on social media uh, and there's a little buy-in and and they sort of see these videos of kids using them and and they they get excited for this moment that they've been a part of that their you know their their money and their time volunteering or, or being part of it in some way then they hand it off to this camp or these kids and then they take them out and they get to see it used and they those those memories last a lot longer than, you know, hearing about someone like me doing some sport or something, you know, like there's so many inspirational things that can happen. But I think if if the people, if the the employees and the companies can generate their own inspirational moments that they can share, that's more important than listening to me yabber. You know, so is there parts of the bike that can be 3D printed and some that's how, do the, how does that work? Yeah, well, that was... I, I should almost I should let Will answer this because we I'll, I'll tell you how we came about the printer because I'm a I'm a dinosaur from from CAD and even designing or even building like I use a, a manual milling machine and a manual lathe and hacksaws and hammers and, and I'm with you there yeah <laughs> and so and I had no interest in 3D printing to me I had I can visualize things really well uh, if I can't I've got CAD for that and so this mid step of of a piece of garbage wasn't useful to me really. And so the sales guy came in and he had his little, they have a little brake lever demo thing. And he's like, hey, check out our new part. And I was like, oh, I'm not that interested really. And he's like, well, try and like, try and break it. And I grabbed it and I tried to break it and I'm pretty strong and it was a real part. And I was like, oh my God, I'll take one. So literally the next day we bought a professional level 3D printer. So I own a 3D printer. It's in my shop and I've never actually ran it because <laughs> because I could do it poorly or you know we can use the brains of the operation in the technical world and that's will. So yeah. So so how, how you do we have use some it? if if they're making a bike like a company's making the bike there's some pieces they can 3D print. Or, yeah, so yeah. Um, on the bike we have here there's three or four parts that are structural that are printed with they have carbon fiber in it. The the mounts for the seat are printed. There's a rear end mount for the the tilting system that's printed. Um, there's a, a part on the steering column that's printed that holds the uh, brake tubes and stuff like that. 
Um, there's really, we can print a lot of it because it doesn't see a ton of force. We have a, an assembly of the whole tilting mechanism, the whole upfront mechanism that's all aluminum right now, but we have an assembly that is all printed. And that's going to go on the bike that Mark Ford is purchasing. Mm -hmm. um, nice. So they're going to have a full printed um, articulating assembly up front. So they'll get to showcase yeah. that. And it is, it's, it's a nice way for us to a prototype, which is obvious to the to anybody listening about 3D printing, because that's that's what they're for. But it's also unique for us because when we do get to these these kids with unique physical attributes between muscular dystrophy or cerebral palsy or any other number of disabilities, um, they have a whole bunch of different needs, and they may be unique to that one person. And so with 3D printing, instead of, you know, the regular duct tape and foam that they are, that they're used to, that, that for their whole life, these are the solutions that are employed on them. We can, we can look at them and 3D print something unique that looks professional and it looks like it belongs and it's not a piece of foam duct taped to something. So it gets them products that, that people like you and I are used to. So it's, it's a really good tool to give them something they deserve and to make a professional looking product that is unique instead of spending $10,000 on a mold for one part you can print one really nice part and it doesn't and it's not a it's not a charity it's not a cost to the company it's just something you're capable of doing now right that's great yeah well, I know I don't want to keep you guys but I think this is great and and obviously a very inspirational story but um, I'd like to leave you know any advice you have any inspiration you have for other designers or people who wanting to create their own designs or yeah I'd, for me it's to to make it and try it and learn what doesn't work because failure has been my best tool really and and I've done so much of it but I've done it in such volume that the small successes uh, have added up to quite a few uh, so yeah volume of volume of failure it's a Seek failure. <laughs> that's, I think that's excellent advice. Yeah, yeah. Especially for people who are out there failed a couple of times to keep it up. Yeah, yeah. And well, yeah. I think I think for me, for like other designers, like getting your hands dirty is really helpful. Going and actually building what you're designing or learning how it's getting built. After I worked at the machine shop and after I, I worked with Christian, Christian's taught me a lot about machining, and my design philosophy has changed a lot and how I approach problems. Um, so, like, knowing how things are going to get made and understanding that process and making sure you're not making it incredibly hard on someone to make it um, is really helpful, and it really helps push push your design that much further so you don't need to, like, reiterate your part 20 times because it's impossible to make. Yeah. And I think that's an important one, not because I'm a crotchety old machinist, but because you got one kick at the can from a monetary standpoint like you can you can design and design and design and then you might not have enough money to to make it four times you might have you might have enough money to make it once so it is really valuable to understand how things are made um so that you don't get halfway done on a, on something that could have been fully done for half the price excellent yeah. um i know that i said last question but um, any anything you want? If people want to get involved, any you know, any anything we could do to help you with well, your cause. So we're working on our website right now, but um, Instagram 
is at Icon Explore. Uh, so the best way that, that we can evolve and move forward is for people to know about us. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty small community, but it's pretty far-reaching. You know, if you're three degrees of separation from someone who could use a, a bike like this, then chances are it'll, you'll be motivated to, to tell them about it. So really, you know, we're not so focused on just our demographic following us or watching us. We're just focused on anybody because the trickle down is, is huge. So, yeah, just watch and follow and that's uh, I'll that's be following really it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, that was great, guys. Thanks for listening today, and remember to get outdoors. No excuses. A quick note that this episode was sponsored by SolidWorks Simulation. SolidWorks Simulation enables every designer and engineer to simulate and analyze design performance with fast, easy-to-use, CAD-embedded analysis solutions. You can quickly and easily employ advanced simulation techniques to optimize performance while you design with capabilities that cut down on costly prototypes, eliminate rework and delays, and save you time and development costs. And best of all, you can do all of this within your SOLIDWORKS environment. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SOLIDWORKS.com podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep on designing. <laughs>